This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things Black business and related news, strategy, and events. Greetings, 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 greetings. All right, friends and family, we can get everyone's attention. We're getting ready to move into some of the special highlights of the evening. As we turn it over to the the president who needs no introduction, the reason that we're all here and doing well, the reason why Hampton Roads is blossoming in our area of black excellence. Friends and family, ladies and gentlemen, everyone in the room, let's give it up for President Blair Durham. Welcome, thank you Seiko, and I'd just like to say, welcome to Black Diamond Weekend, woo! <laughs> you wanna come up in? So, you're gonna hear a little bit of the story of the founding of Black Diamond Weekend with a special podcast segment in a moment. Um, but to kick things off, We'd like to bring up the awesome mayor of this incredible city, Mayor Kenny Alexander, who happens to be a prominent black business owner in Hampton Roads as well. Thank you, Blair. Thank you very much. Uh, well, good evening. You guys so far away. I wish you guys were just closer, but it is what it is. Who's, who's there to come closer? Come on, come closer. All right get all the secrets. When you come close, you get all the secrets. To be successful in business, you got to get close to the fire. Yeah. So, um, there we go. This is a winner. This is a winner. She's a winner. Uh, let me just say how thrilled and how proud I am to be a part of the Black Diamond Weekend. Um, many thanks to Blair Durham, uh, who is one of our um, stars in the city. We rely on Blair for her wisdom and her, um, her support. And all, more importantly, uh, for her encouragement for me and my council as we continue to shape uh, Norfolk to be the most inclusive, the most diverse, and the most equitable city, uh, not only in Virginia, but in the world. Norfolk is, is open for business, uh, and we are open to do business with everyone. I see so many sponsors here. I won't call them out, but um, I see you, Dominion. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I see and some of our uh, banks. But um, the spot to the sponsors and to the supporters and the volunteers, thank you for supporting uh, Black Brand as well as the Black Diamond Weekend. You know, being in business is tough. Being an African-American in business is tougher. And the reason it's tough is because when you do economic development, there are five things that must align. One, you got to have the land or the space. There must be some land or space, unless you're going to be a part of the gig economy and do virtual, but that's all well and good, but you need an address. Brick and mortar is important, but in this economy, the shared economy is fine, but land. Number two, you need the entrepreneur spirit, and I know a lot of you have that entrepreneur spirit. You have an idea. You have a mission. You have a goal. You have a purpose. Number three, you have to have talent. You have the talent, and there have to be other talented people in your organization. Number four, which is a big one, is called capital. Capital is one of the reasons that a lot of our businesses don't start or don't scale in the first place. 
And finally, you need to have a city, a regulatory framework, a legislative framework, a city that's open for business. Number five, I can answer. Norfolk is open and we're ready to do business with each and every last one of you. You have the entrepreneurial spirit. There are resources here. There are, there are support here. There's mentorship here. And so I'm proud, I'm happy, I'm delighted that you're here. You belong in Norfolk, you belong in Hampton Roads. If we can do business together, let's do it. So again, on behalf of a very grateful city, I see you, your voices, your ideas, your concepts, your thoughts are welcome here in the city of Norfolk. So Blair, thank you. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on and don't give up, don't quit. Quit and failure is not an option when it comes to us. As a people, we, have all, we are resilient as a people. Through many dangers and tars and snares, we as a people have already come, our ancestors already paid the price. So we all, all we have to do is walk upright and not play second to anybody or anything because we're the head and not the tail. We're first and not last. We're the beginning and not the end. Thank you, God bless you. Enjoy Black Diamond Weekend. Incredible. Thank you for your words, sir. And then for your leadership. We appreciate it. And quite frankly, that is why we are here in the city of Norfolk. Your leadership. I appreciate it. Hey, at this time, I want to bring up two awesome gentlemen that I had the pleasure of meeting for the first time last night, but whose work we follow extensively on social media. This is none other than the founders of Black Wealth Renaissance. Y'all give it up. Excellent. So we're gonna have a little bit of fun as you continue to enjoy your drinks and your food. You guys ready? All right. If you wanna get started right now. Hello, 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 hello everyone. Uh, thank you for having us, NART folk. I just wanna say, since we touched down, we've been feeling really warm and welcomed here. Uh, I just wanna say thank you to everyone who's just been really inviting. Uh, my name is Jalen Clark. I am one of the founders of Black Wealth Renaissance. Um, our organization and our business, we have a focus on some of the same principles the mayor just was talking about. Um, really entrepreneur, uh, fostering that entrepreneur spirit, understanding that we are creative, that we are uh, the best and the cream of the crop, but we also need to teach this to our kids. We need to show them that they're just not meant to be entertainers. They're not just meant to be athletes, but they can do so much more uh, for themselves and for their communities. Yep. So my name is David Bellard. I'm also one of the founders of Black Wealth Renaissance. And our brand started about four years ago now. And we started, it, it, I know the mayor mentioned the city of location. We started at my boy grandma's house, right? In the back room, getting it out the mud, straight out of college. And, from there, we've been able to grow to one of the premier business podcasts in the world. We're a, we have a social media platform that has impacted over half a million people just through content that we've been able to create online. And we've been able to create a six-figure business from leveraging the podcasting industry and growing in this industry. So before we get into a few other things, we just want to kind of talk about the podcast industry and let you know about the opportunity and how you can start growing and scaling your own podcast. Because we started the podcast itself in May. No, I'm sorry. March. March. 
2019, and now we're on the Revolt Podcast Network. We're one of the premier shows on their network, and we're continuing to push out this message and continue to grow and scale our brand. So we just want to help people do the same. So, I so um, I do want to go into some of the opportunities into podcasting. Um, it is an industry that has been around for quite some time, um, but people are actually starting to access and starting to tap into uh, the podcasting realm. What's special about podcasting is it's completely auditorial, um, so it's different from actual social media and YouTube. Uh, you can just consume it while you're driving, while you're cooking, while you're working out, and you don't actually have to be fully attentive to the actual video content. You can just... Uh, you can really consume it while you're doing multiple things, right? And that's what makes this realm so special because a person can do multiple things while consuming your content. And it gives business owners and uh, sponsors the opportunity to really become authorities in a certain space on particular topics. Um, so for a business owner, right? Um, I know we met some CPAs, we met some lawyers today, right? Let's say you want to be a podcast who's talking about how to properly structure your business. And you can go through different business, uh, business scenarios and you can teach business owners, okay, this is how some of my clients may have failed. I would keep everything, you know, discretionary. Don't put out any uh, information that doesn't need to go out there. But you can use those case studies to build your following and people can actually learn from past experiences. Once you start to grow and build that audience, now they're like, okay, I've seen what they've done, and they also gave me solutions. On the sponsorship side, um, you can actually sponsor or create a segment with someone who's already established in the podcasting uh, realm. And one of the things that's really cool about podcasting, if you are an advertiser, is if someone's listening to a podcast, they listen to Majority of the listeners, 65% of the listenerships, listen to the full show. Think of that compared to Instagram where you're scrolling every three seconds, you're on someone else's page. You have that listener's ear for 30 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, and 65% of your listenerships are going to consume the full episode. So if you're an advertiser, that's really powerful because now you're able to get in front of really engaged and really active consumers. Yeah. And just to add to that, right, when it comes to the podcast, because it's such an intimate form, think about it, like he mentioned Instagram, think about it versus music. You may listen to a song, you may stream a song 10 times, and it's two, three minutes long. Think about the benefit for this for advertisers where this is something that somebody's going to listen to for over an hour because they're going to gain some valuable information or they're going to be entertained. There are different ways that you can go about creating your podcast and it can serve different purposes. But the, at the end of the day, when we're talking about growing, scaling, and monetizing, the monetization part is what a lot of people want to get to with podcasting. And monetization comes from a few different realms, right? You're talking about advertising. You're talking about product placement. You're talking about actually creating segments, as Jalen mentioned, where you can mention a brand, you can get sponsors on your podcast and do live reads. And I like to, to bring it back because people think that you need to have one of the biggest shows in the world to have advertisers and sponsors. But in order for your podcast to be considered a top 1% podcast, how many listeners do you think you need to have? You, you'd be... 
you'd be surprised. It's what's like three hundred. It's three hundred listeners. Three hundred listeners per episode. Three hundred listeners per episode of all the podcasts in the world. The reason these numbers are the way they are, this is a blue ocean, guys. There's so much opportunity here because so many people start something, they make a couple episodes, oh man, ain't nobody listening. And then they put it down and they want to do it no more. But you have to be focused on continuing to provide value to people and adding value in that way. Now, whenever we're talking about growing a podcast, there are several ways that you can actually market yourself. For us, it's a bit different than a lot of people. We started on social media. so. Our podcast became an extension of our social media profile. At the time, we already had organic marketing. We had over 20,000 followers. But what we noticed is social media doesn't necessarily always convert to actual listenership. So one of the best ways that you can start growing your listenership is through cross collaborations with people who have their own brands and businesses. Everybody loves to talk about themselves. Can we, can we agree on that? Everybody loves talking about themselves. So whenever there's somebody that's doing something that's making motions and making waves, you can get this person on your podcast easier than it would be if you would DM them or call to try to be like, hey, can I pick your brain? Nah, I'm not really interested in that. But would you be on my podcast is a completely different value add because now you're giving them an opportunity to expose their message and immortalize their message for people because this is something that they can, anybody can listen to on their own time in perpetuity. So people will gladly join your podcast and they'll promote it for you with their own audience, with their own platform. If they got an email list, they'll send it to them. If they have their own social media profile, they're gonna tell people. And what that does is amplify your message and start to get you out there. Now, there are other ways that you can continue to grow. Obviously, you can do paid marketing. Uh, I'm a big proponent of things like this where you go out and you talk to people. Word of mouth is the best marketing at the end of the day. You tell people about your podcast, you tell them about what you're missing and your message is, and it will start to, people will gravitate toward things that add value. Our mission and our message with Black Wealth Renaissance is we want to normalize black wealth and provide people with resources to attain and maintain wealth in our community. So that message, that mission in itself is something that people can buy into. So whenever you're talking about building and growing a podcast, that's one of the things I want people to consider is what is your mission, message, and purpose behind it? And uh, also, I just want to get into some of the money that can be made in the podcast. Uh, the podcast industry is a $14.8 billion industry. $14.8 billion industry. And uh, there are other ways for you to make money um, besides just being behind the mic. Um, a lot of times people might think that, yo, I need to start the show to actually make money, but I want to give you some non-behind-the-mic roles uh, that you can do and start to support a podcast. There's audio editing. You can become an audio editor because the, the talent, they don't have enough time to actually go ahead and do the editing and worry about curating the content, getting guests. Um, another thing is post-production, right? If that uh, podcast is a video-enabled podcast, they're going to be actually needing post-production. So they might have blemishes, they might have things that's happening during the podcast that they're gonna need edited. You can be an audio technician. So during the podcast, you can have a setup like this where you're making sure that the levels are correct. You're making sure that there's no interference, that all the guests are coming through correctly. 
Um, there's also fact checkers. So if you're having a podcast where you're giving people a lot of information, you can go through and you can be a fact checker. You can be a scripter. You can write out a show. Because people think of podcasts as simply interviews, and that's not true. There's so many forms of podcasting. There's dialogues. There's um, very theatrical-style podcasts where you can dramatize it, right? And instead of just having a visual, you can have an actual theatrical podcast where you go through and give people a play. Um, there's also uh, the marketing side, right? So once again, as David stated, you need marketers to get your podcast to keep on growing. So you can become a marketer for them. If you have a marketing firm already, that can be something that you add on as a service. Understanding, hey, there's so much more to this industry, right? And then one of the last things that I kind of want to get into is understanding that it is a blue ocean. I want to give you guys some numbers to leave with. In the podcast industry, there's 2.4 million active podcasts, right? How many active YouTube channels do you think there are? You can say it louder. There's 38 million YouTube channels. 2.4 million compared to 38, 38 million. There's only 66 million podcast episodes total compared to 800 million YouTube channels. I mean, sorry, videos. So it's so wide open that you can still get in, you can find your lane, and you can really dominate. And on that note, we're going to actually bring up Ms. Blair and her husband, Mr. Bashir, and we're going to talk about um, the beginnings of Black Brand and how Black Diamond Weekend became about. These guys are amazing. <laughs> Shout out Thank to you. you all. Thank you. By the way, this is just a black brand way of doing things. We don't do anything unless there's some content. You have your beverages, have your meal. We're going to have some content. I love y'all matching too. Y'all look amazing. Yes. Excellence. Yes. Thank you guys so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Definitely appreciate you having us. So, Blair and Bashiri, just to get right into it, Black Brand is an amazing brand. I appreciate you all for bringing all these beautiful and amazing black-owned businesses together and creating something in Norfolk for our people, well, Hampton Roads and really Virginia, creating a chamber of commerce to help businesses grow and scale. So I just want to ask you to get started. What was the origin and what made you even start to build this in this community? Babe, I'm let you speak first. Oh. <laughs> See, she's breaching uh, protocol. It's usually ladies first, but I understand because she's um, often with the mic. And I'm usually very comfortable uh, in this space, but she's kind of got me a little jittery. Looking so wonderful to my right in this, in this sorbet raspberry get-up. Looking like some sorbet. I'm ready to obey. You understand what I'm saying? Got me sweating hotter than a jalapeno hooker on a 90-day summertime. Oh, my God. Lord have mercy, but um, um, it's, it's definitely been a labor of love, and um, I appreciate all of you. Uh, this is uh, definitely uh, the pinnacle of what we do day in and day out, 
to see you all together and to congregate and you all kind of actualizing all of that innate genius and potential that is native to our melaninated experience and then platforming that and then understanding that the real currency uh, is our connection, right? And the real revenue are our relationships. And so I'm definitely graced and I'm definitely privileged to be sitting here between, with my illustrious wife and with you all here. And um, the beginning of Black Brand was just, it was born out of angst. It was, it was born out of anger. It was born out of frustration with what we were seeing uh, socially and what was being propagated on the media and, and black men, women, and children uh, being victimized and gunned down and, and you know, and uh, just a burden that something needed to be done and something um, that w would be impactful and something that, that would be lasting and something that would have a legacy. And so we understood that there needed to be some kind of economic framing to bring solution to what we were seeing in our day-to-day -day experiences in our communities. And so rather than resting in anger and frustration, somewhere in, in between that mix, we found power, we found hope, we found the capability and the capacity to uh, usher in a resolve that would be fruitful for those persons that we are connected with, and that's you all, right, even in, in this very moment. And so um, it, was, it was an idea, you know what I mean? Like, we, I can remember we, we were sitting in our bedroom and looking at stats and just like, okay, there are issues in, in pockets of Hampton Roads, and I'm not even from Hampton Roads, I'm from New York, you know what I mean? But it was just, when we, when we were exposed to what was happening in, in our communities. And we were trying to put our minds together, okay, how can we use our gifts? You know, how can we employ our capacity and our capability to kind of speak to these situations that are native to us? And we had no idea that we, no idea we would meet you all. It, it was just a shot in the dark, you know what I mean? And um, now to see it come to fruition, and to see all the, the musicality of it, I'm gonna get poetic real quick, because I found that even in the entrepreneurial spaces, you find the music in the silence. That's where the music is at. It's in between all of the, uh, the busyness of your work, your day-to-day -day grind. If you could find ways to have intermittent moments of solitude and Sabbath, and you're busy, you're gonna find something very musical. You're gonna find something that's going to be nourishing. And I think that's what I found even in just connecting with my wife and understanding that she has a role to play, the division of labor and that, that rhythm and understanding that it's gonna require late evenings and it's gonna require her calling audibles and me being able to be flexible and, and not get into my ego. Like, woman, you need to be here, you know what I'm saying? And just understanding at this level, if we can make it work at this level, it's hope for the communal level and not to make it solely focused on our relationship as husband and wife, but these things are happening coterminously. Like we just celebrated seven years, you know what I'm saying, of, of making it, you know what I mean? And you know, and not always being rosy, you know what I mean? And dealing with the thorns that come with the budding of a flower and understanding that these things are part and parcel of a, a, a wide range and gamut of experiences that are going to be fruitful. And 
She's looking at me, she's giving me the eye because she knows that I can, you probably shouldn't give me a mic. You probably noticed that by now. But I'm going to pass this mic to my wife, but I'm, I'm going to say this. It's you. When you are securing yourselves, black people, black entrepreneurs, black dreamers, and you no longer need the validation of an external uh, currency, that's when we're going to find the wealth. That's where we're going to find the, the real freedom. You understand? When your voice is valuable to you and you don't need, you know, the affirmation of external agencies to co-sign what is your innate genius and aptitude. I love you all. I know that you are capable. I know that you are adept. I know that you are assiduous. I know that you have... Uh, capacity even beyond your own consciousness and that's kind of why we got into black brand that's why we did what we did because it was like how can we get our people to see themselves the way we see them you know what I mean and so I hope that what you experience even in the weekend is just this mirror where you see yourself as the giant where you see yourself as the majority you know, when you see yourself as the powerhouses that I know that you are, and I'm gonna pass this to my wife because I can go. Love you guys. Thank you for this time. What in the world? I love it. It was his words and his poetry for me. It was. <laughs> and like sometimes they get on my nerves, but if he hadn't been writing poems about black liberation, when we met at National Counseling Group during orientation, then we would not have gotten married and we would not have started Black Brand. Like, our whole relationship has been Black Brand. So, thank you, babe. Yeah. We're gonna keep this, can we get like another five more minutes of this? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I just wanna speak about some of the challenges that you face to build such a positive and powerful brand. A lot of people love to look at success, but they don't understand some of the challenges and some of the hurdles that you have to cross to, to actually get to this level of success. What would you say would be your most challenging uh, obstacle you had to face while building Black Brand? Big question. I think we might have different, different responses. Um, the first I'd say is internal just like who wakes up and decides that they in fact are the black chamber of commerce and are then going to like articulate that as fact without any members without any money without a space right that was how crazy we were <laughs> and others in this room that you know me saw the vision that audacity and then the continued audacity when it seemed like it was taking longer than we felt like it should take. That's a big one. Having that vision and being able, being willing to keep articulating it before it manifests. Uh, big challenge. Um, I would add to that, it was almost an act of ignorance. And I was sharing with these brothers earlier, like if we knew what it would have costed, we probably would not have done it but ignorance was bliss and it served us well in that instance because we had, we had this dream. Um, and I'm a very macro person. And so I, I, you know, I see the big picture. 
and we're complimentary that way because she sees the day-to-day. So she pulls me into reality, I pull her into dream spaces, and we just kind of feed each other that way. Um, But the major challenges, I would say, is understanding that we don't have to demonize our differences, um, and we don't have to be antagonistic, but we can be complimentary, you know what I mean? And there's value in her perspective, and there's value in my perspective, and we can meet at that happy median, and that's where, again, the music and the magic can occur. You know what I mean? Uh, When we're not at each other's throats because we might see things a little differently. Like, uh, what's part and parcel to our survival as a group is that we're not monotonal in our vision and in our capacity to see. Uh, But because we are variegated in our ability to envision and to, to dream, then we have options. And options means freedom. Freedom means life. And when we're able to get to a space where we can venerate those aspects of ourselves that are different as nourishing pockets of peace and prosperity and of power, I don't think there's uh, any challenge that we can't overcome. These challenges really become channels of um, increasing uh, modes of growth and maturation. And so I, I look at the challenges as seeds. I'm gonna say this, I'm leaving it alone. Um, we were on our we were on our way back from where were we? We were at the Nat Turner um, Museum, um, and uh, that's when Hurricane Matthew hit. And uh, we were we had the either the stupidity or the audacity to go try to honor the ancestors, right? And how is that connected? Well, we lost a vehicle to Hurricane Matthew, had to total the car. The, the monies from the totaling of that car became seed money for black brand. You know what I'm saying? So I remember my wife, she she poked me, right? She poked me. She said, baby, what you gonna do with, it was $7,500, what you gonna do with that? Um, and she she knew I was in that moment being practical, Well, we need to get, get to A to B. She's like, well, I'm thinking A through Z right now. And she told me like, this money needs to go here. And um, if I would have denigrated her perspective or called her crazy or called her impractical, I would, we wouldn't be here right now. You know what I mean? So. And we went four years without a vehicle behind that? I don't know. Yeah, it's, so, so what I'm saying is this, like, for every harvest, there's a death. When that seed goes into the ground and it sheds its current iteration of itself, then the roots can take, you know, and, and expand, you know, and get the nourishment and the nutrients from the Mother Earth. But if you're not willing to die and to sacrifice and to yield yourself to a process that is uncomfortable and something you don't know, you're not going to get to that space. And I want to see all of y'all get to that space. So you entrepreneurs who are in a, a current place of uncertainty, and you feel like it's a gamble and you don't want to risk, we're living proof that even without the current currency, you know, that's manifested tangibly, you have greater value in your capacity and your courageousness and your willingness to step forward anyway and just do it. You know what I mean? You go, baby. I mean, there's not much else to say on that. Hey, Bashir, I love it. I love it. The bars. Y'all, told, y'all said Bashir got the bars. He does. That is a fact. Hey, I love it. I love it. 
So I do want to wrap really shortly, but I have to ask you about the B Force Accelerator, right? So because that's something that I think is super important, right? You not only did you create your own chamber of commerce, but now you've created an actual program to help businesses in the area start to grow and scale. So I would like to ask, how do you start your own accelerator program and how do you get funding for that to actually start helping these businesses grow? Big question. So I gotta say, um, B-Force Accelerator, five years in the making. We started out Black Brand Business Institute. We were trying to figure out like, how can we create something robust enough? Oh, he sounds to wrap up, okay. That could actually certify black owned businesses. And how could we afford to pay black owned businesses to provide that training to black owned businesses? Beating our head against the wall. And I honestly think there was something that changed in the social climate that made it possible from a funding standpoint it gave me the courage to say, you know what? This is a half a million dollar program annually and we deserve it. And I just went forth and kind of started asking for those dollars. You know what I mean? Because I wanted us to be paid to pay black business owners to help black business owners. And that's what we did. So that's the... We're gonna have to get y'all on the actual podcast so we can continue this conversation first. Y'all give it up one time for the founders of the black brand, Mr. Bashiri and Ms. Blair Durham. How I love it. So this is David Bellard and that's my partner, Jalen Clark. Clark. We are Black Wealth Renaissance. And y'all continue to enjoy the night. I look forward to networking with you all. Y'all get a drink, eat some food, and let's have a good time. Yeah. Yes, sir. Black Diamond Weekend. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black...